Welcome back to another episode of We Are Not Movie Critics. I'm your host, James, and as always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Mark Wyatt. I got here first this time. <laughs> and Will Tucker. That's, I'm here second this time. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a few news stories this week, as we always do. We're going to have a new segment, and then we're going to have an interview segment, followed by a What We Watching, What We Reading segment to finish out as well. So a couple of news stories, just a, a right off the rip to let you know. We've got some Band of Brothers news. We have a new series, potentially in the works. We've got some Mean Girls, how it's performing at the box office. And then finally, we're just going to close out with some Daredevil news about the new series that's coming out from marvel as well but yeah if you don't fancy or care about what we're talking about feel free to jump around we're not going to get offended it's fine uh, it's fine speak for yourself oh wow <laughs> everything will be time coded down below in the description so feel free to use those as well we're going to jump right into it and we're going to talk about band of brothers yeah so it's it, it definitely is in the works it releases on the 26th of this month it's called masters of air and for anybody who's watched the Band of Brothers and then the, the following not following but second series called The Pacific. It's following a very similar format. It's uh, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg and it's very realistic but character centred story driven World War Two dramas and, and Band of Brothers is, is one of my all time favourite shows yeah. so I, I did say earlier if we were doing a We Are Not TV show critics <laughs> probably would have been my series to bring on even, even above Sensei it, it never fails to make me cry at the end. I think it's also just just an amazing watch, and so many big names in in Band of Brothers. There's a few there's a few big names coming up in the in the sequel series as well, isn't there? There is. There's Chuti Gatwa. Chuti Gatwa. Chuti Gatwa. Yeah. Definitely no hesitation there. A minute ago. I mean, and that's it. To be honest, there's yeah, not a else. huge number of other big names. Barry Barry Kogan. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so there was... he's getting a lot of popularity recently, and I'm associating him with like a lot of good performances and a lot of good good shows. So from that perspective, I think it'll be really was exciting he in as Saltburn? well. He was well, the he, he was, was the lead in Saltburn, lead in Saltburn, I think. Saltburn, yeah. yeah. So those two are in it, and then a few other actors. The brother from Fantastic Beasts mm. is also in the show. Yeah. That's his name. His name's the brother from Fantastic <laughs> Beasts. That, that is pretty cool. <laughs> born with that name. But other than that, I, I don't know a huge amount about it other than it follows the 100th Airborne Division. I think it's Bomber Pilots. Does the original series end in... I've, I haven't seen the original series, so... So they're, they're all standalone. Who yeah. wins? They're, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like... Spoiler. They're, they're all standalone, so they're not like follow-on series. So Band of Brothers is a mini-series. Mm. I mean, each episode's about an hour, so they're... they're yeah. They're quite long, um, and the the lineup in that is huge. You got Tom Hardy. You've got yeah, just just Tom Hardy. That's it. Yeah. No, but if you go back and look at it, the the lineup in that is huge. Yeah, right. and then the Pacific is a completely separate one. So yeah. Band of Brothers follows the five hundred first regiment in Germany. Then the yeah. Pacific follows the Navy naval invasion of a few Japanese islands yeah. or islands around Japan. And then this is a completely separate story again, mm. following the air force now yeah but they're, they're fantastic borderline based in realities they are based on some level of, of like real story yeah and they they have interviews with the the people who they're based on yeah so they'll have the i, I don't know if they will for this series obviously because age but in <laughs> band of brothers they had interviews with the the guys who served in the 501st and were, were there yeah. when these things took place so they are based in some level of truth as well yeah but they're just fantastic dramas yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that series to come out I'm kind of interested what's your favourite thing about the whole the series as a whole is it the realism is it the historical side of it or is it like the performances I think it's a mix of I mean everything that comes with it it's again it's got an incredible soundtrack mm. it's both 
realistic, but also, uh, I imagine realistic, mm. no first-hand experience, but also very exciting. And it's very centered around the characters. So you get really involved with them and it's, it's, it's very emotional. And so I, I really enjoy it for, for all those. The, the Pacific is a lot more of a psychological sort of focus, whereas Random Brothers is, is heavily based in physical along with psychological. And so I'm interested to see what they do with the third one. I think it's, it's very different on the grounds and uh, alongside other people. They, they were both very similar. This is, is set, I think, a lot in, in the skies. Interested to see what they do with it. But they're, they're fantastic shows and I think they're quite historically accurate and they're very emotive for me. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what comes from this. How would you gauge your excitement level for these? Are you going to be like watching this day one that it releases? or I don't know if it's going to be a week-to-week release. I think or... it's a week-to-week release and media release schedules have turned me into a <laughs> binge or nothing person yeah. so probably no as much yeah. as i'm really excited for it i will probably just wait and binge it yeah. which yeah i've done with a few shows recently yeah I, I i do enjoy i do have to ask does tom hanks play the same person in all of these no he just directs oh he's directing steven spielberg direct God, um, I would have loved if they just shoehorned Tom Hanks in there. No. <laughs> so there's no common characters, as far as I can tell, across yeah. the three. But some really big names in Band of Brothers, including Ross from Friends. Oh, uh, David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer, no, yeah. Ross from Friends. Sorry, Ross from Friends. <laughs> there you go, thank you. But no, Tom Hanks is, is just, yeah, directing. He already had Saving Private Ryan. He doesn't need more war. <laughs> He's already got two more war. <laughs> war more three. <laughs> <laughs> war three, more war. Yeah. But the, the to bring it back to, as I always do, the scoring on this is incredible. Yeah. It's a lot of orchestral pieces and it's yeah absolutely incredible soundtrack and the final episode of band of brothers the music and the interviews leave me in tears almost yeah. every single time is there is there other like war films that you feel passionate about or is it just is it just band of brothers is that the one for you there's, like, there's nothing it's because it's interspersed with interviews from yeah. the, the the people who live through this yeah but i think it hits so differently so Saving Private Ryan is a decent film. Yeah. But to me, after seeing Band of Brothers, it loses a lot mm-hmm. because it, it, it is too dramatized too, in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And so, and the Pacific definitely really portrays a, a horrific mental state. Yeah. And so it's, it's very different. I think that realism is what I, I enjoy more. And I can't think of many films that, that do that well. Fury is a, a one of the recent very big war films. Yeah. It's not that recent, but it was probably the last huge Saving Private Ryan size release and that was good but nothing like the these mini series which for me are just uh, yeah absolutely incredible they're almost like documentaries in a way in terms of they are documented they bring a reality to the subject they do Um, and I think that adds a a hell of a lot to a show and that's again why I get so invested in them so I'm really excited for this release for sure yeah I think like when it comes to war shows and and war films they don't really they're not usually the thing that i gravitate towards one of the last ones that i did really watch and really enjoyed i think it's 1917 that really hooked me as well because it was shot in a really interesting way it was obviously about the end of the war so it was they tried to tell a very personal story in amongst obviously this the, the massive war going on and that is really what interests me about those sort of like war war films so i probably will check out band of brothers based on on how you've described it because i think it 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 seems to hit like a lot of those emotional notes mm-hmm. that I really look for when I watch a lot of these different types of shows. So 
yeah, it sounds like a really interesting one. And I, I can't wait to hear your reaction about what happens with this this future series and this excitement level. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm hoping, yeah, by next time we're back, I'll, It'll be I'll maybe be able to watch some. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any exposure to it, Will? Or Zero. No? no, no. Um, I mean, I don't really consume a whole lot of war <laughs> media. I wow, like... I thought being American, I maybe you'd... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what we did best, you know? We did two things and then... Got enough of that in real life to yeah. need to <laughs> consume media on it. I do. I like I like media around war. I I don't know. When Once you bring combat into the mix, yeah. for some reason, my brain just sort of shuts off. Yeah. I'm sure if I was there, I would enjoy it. But like my first thought when I see it, when you say you were there and you'd enjoy it, do you oh, mean? Yeah, no, I'm just there. I, my, my brain turns off. I, I see red and I, he doesn't want to lose his American following. <laughs> so he's just like, I'm sure if I was there, I'd love it. Oh, the body is just, so just, just doubles back on it. <laughs> the red mist descends. Yes, I would be the, the greatest soldier alive. <laughs> wow. All I picture is Reese from um, Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> That's me. I take orders very well yeah. and I definitely have shot a gun. <laughs> Wow, okay. The future is Getting now, very political old man. <laughs> I've never shot a gun before. Also, you know, I don't want to lean into the stereotype. Uh, I think we'll pivot and we'll obviously move on to our next news story, which is that Mean Girls is back in cinemas. It's, well, back in cinemas with a new new face, technically, yes, I guess. This is the real war. <laughs> <laughs> the war of the two Mean Girls movies and which one you prefer. Oh, no. I haven't watched. There's three. Oh, um, so there's three Mean Girls. There's a Mean Girls 2. Is that with Lindsay Lohan as well? No. Is that, no. Okay. Brilliant. There, there is a Mean Girls 2, which yeah. came out shortly after Mean Girls. Wow. And then and there nobody is watched it. Okay. It's, I was going to say, I don't think anyone's... I've, I definitely haven't watched the second one. It's not no. great. No. <laughs> I've only watched the first one with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. But it is extremely good. Mm. If you haven't watched it, please go watch it. I I remember first time I watched it. I I watched it in theaters. I was in you the, watched, you I was in the fourth grade. Oh I God. definitely was not for me. Yeah. Do you not enjoy it at the time? <laughs> I have no idea what I thought of it at the time. I was nine years old, James. <laughs> I don't remember. Don't remember. From I then. truly don't. Were you taken, or did you choose? I'm like, sure, I have you no like, clue. Little, I want to go see this. Little nine-year-old Will was like, I want to go see Mean Girls. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know why I was there, but I was. But no, after like watching it at a more at a point where I could appreciate it, I just think it's an extremely well-written movie. Yeah, it really, it took over the world in terms mm-hmm. of like cultural impact. Like it's still quoted today. Oh, absolutely. Still everyone, everyone I know has kind of like seen it for mm-hmm. the most part. Do you have plans to go and see this one at all? Do you I, think- I want to, especially after finding out what two weeks later that it's yeah. a musical yeah <laughs> nobody knew it adds no. it adds an interesting spin to it as I, well i think it's such a such a brave move yeah <laughs> it's like i how do we redo mean girls make them sing because i have to say i when i heard mean girls was getting another one i completely just took it off my radar and i was like i'm not gonna watch it because oh, I, I was like out, oh yeah. it's just gonna be mm. another it's gonna be them just like kind of hollowly copying what mm-hmm. came before but I think adding a musical to it and makes it kind of interesting. It's like at least they're doing something original within exactly, that guys. Yeah. I think no, I, I completely agree. I, I heard about it and this is like, I'm not going to see that. There's no yeah. way that it's gonna be anything real. But for some reason I have, truly have no idea what to expect now. Yeah. It's number one at the box office. I think for it's two number weeks. one at the box office. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Apparently, like either that or all the movies surrounding it just aren't that good. <laughs> Which are no, 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 definitely there's some good ones. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about it in our ending segment, obviously, because I went to cinema a couple of times this week. So there's definitely other movies in there that are really good. Well, why don't you go see Mean Girls? I oh no, he's <laughs> caught me out. 
<laughs> there's only so much time in the day. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gone to the cinema in ages. So, yeah. but no, it is. I want to know what they're doing. I don't know. I, I don't actually know that much about this movie because I had checked out. I figured out, I figured out it was a musical yesterday. Yeah. I think I could, it is like almost like for like the original, really? yeah. but just done as a musical, which I'm still interested in because I want to see how that works. Yeah. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler there? No. Like for like in terms of scene for scene, not yeah. the same people, unfortunately. Right. I've got to pose the question to like both of you of, do you think, this can work for other franchises. Do you think oh, so this is other say, movies? Madame, Madame Webb could learn a thing. Ezekiel <laughs> <laughs> <Ezekiel> Sims <laughs> was in the jungle with my mother. I, and they should make musical Spider-Man instead of premonition yeah. Spider-Man. I think, there's, I think there's a lot of things that could be really interesting if you turned it into a musical. I think you kind of look at Star Wars and it was, I think, originally kind of like space opera, soap opera. I, not soap opera, sorry, space odyssey yeah style no you really struck something for me there i'm just like suddenly like no this will work yeah i don't know if there's been like pop culture references to it being in a musical but i'm like thinking of that like oh i feel like that could work as like a stage performance or there's like obviously there's harry potter and the cursed uh, Cursed Child is that is that's not a musical I think it's just a play nice. isn't it I don't know do you think Band of Brothers <laughs> maybe maybe, yeah. maybe not with those <laughs> no like, I think it's we're so entrenched in media of hey let's redo blank yeah I think anything to just put a bit of a twist on it is just gonna be welcome yeah right? if we're gonna have more of the same let's make the same different yeah there is Shrek the musical that's the thing now. Yeah, that is obviously I've, been, I've seen that. I've seen, seen it. I've seen that. the, I've it seen the play for months. Why and did you like, say that? Why did you watch it? I think it was a birthday present like years ago, and we went and watched Shrek the Musical. Did you enjoy it? Everything it? you imagined and more. The thing about Shrek the Musical, I was expecting. Oh, they're gonna do like live in the Vida Loca, no. things like that. No, it was all like original songs, which yeah. I'm sure some people were gonna love. But I was waiting for like the, the stage to go dark and it to go. Somebody wants. <laughs> I, I thought that was what it's going to be. But. I, I think you probably just made a lot of musical people mad yeah, saying that really I would did. have preferred a jukebox musical. Oh, I would have thought it would have been great. <laughs> there's a there's one other film that I did want to mention, and apologies if both of you love the original and mm-hmm. this is potentially and this is potentially a, a spoiler for Joker. But the second mm. the se- sequel yes. to Joker is going to be a musical, really? and I think yeah, and I think yeah. that could be. I think I if think they, I can see that working. Really yeah, because well. they've they've I cast can't. No? No. they've cast Lady, Lady Gaga, Gaga yeah. as Harley Quinn, so it's like she's yeah. obviously going to bring a lot of musical experience to that and that role. And obviously, I really love everything that she's in. Mm. But I don't know. Do you not? You don't feel like it could work? I maybe if it is. There's some terminology that I'm going to get wrong, but the um, like the. The music in a musical is described either as non-diegetic or diegetic. I can't remember what it means. Mm. But, well, I can't, I can't remember which is which. Whether, like, the music isn't really happening. It's mostly yeah. to embody an emotion. If in Joker 2, uh, they have the music actually happening in-universe, mm. I think that kind of works. Yeah. But if they just decide to bust out into music and it's like, oh, no, this is just a, supposed to embody something i think they have to really figure out how to do it or else it'll feel real goofy i'm picturing the former in terms of obviously mental states in the Mm -hmm. the film are not super and so i I guess that's what i'm picturing is almost like a, a mental slip in which everything in the world becomes somewhat yeah. musical to I'm honest, him and them. I think like the way that I interpret it is very similar to you. I think it's going to be 
and this is I have no backing information from this apart from it being a, a, a musical but I was thinking it's going to be set from Harley Quinn's perspective of her heart starting to lose sort of grip on reality yeah. and then her falling in love with this this person and then it being a musical this and like freak. her thoughts and it kind of reminds me it's a really random shout but it kind of reminds me of the Scrubs episode yeah. where <laughs> the the woman has uh, she has something pressing on a certain part of her brain and it, it causes so everything single, to be yeah. musical. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, I really enjoyed that episode at the time. So I was like, I think that that could work really well as a movie. But yeah, I, I don't know. Let us know Let us know what you think. Do you think... Check back in with us in yeah, six months. And see, <laughs> see what happens. Because I think it is releasing this year later. So check out Mean Girls if you haven't as well. Let us know what you think of it on, on Instagram. And yeah, we're just going to jump into our final news story which is Daredevil Born Again for the original Netflix Daredevil show. It's coming back. So originally they made three seasons and then Disney acquired certain rights and that meant that there was going to be no more seasons. So they were never going to make a season four of Daredevil. And Disney had recently announced within the last year, they said they're going to make a new Daredevil show and it was going to be titled Daredevil Born Again. So fans originally got kind of annoyed because they wanted a season four and it was so great, the original. If nobody's seen them, then I would heavily in, like go and check those out. Everything about them is amazing. Fight choreography, script, everything. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. May, I know, may disagree. I know. No, I, uh, first and third season. Yeah. Incredible. Second lost me a touch, but so, I do think it's still good. I think even the sec- the first half of second of mm-hmm. the second one is really great. And then mm-hmm. I agree with you, yeah. I think the, sec- the second half is like bit too much and it was felt like the defenders set up yeah rather than and then they brought it back with yeah the third, I think. which i think is great i think ben affleck did it better <laughs> oh my oh. god oh. Is it Catherine Zeta Jones I, in that as well? no i can't remember who it was but. so i've just muted will's channel for a second <laughs> yeah. like but they're bringing it back they people got annoyed because they'd basically canned every stunt coordinator every script writers all the directors it was completely essentially new it was a new show but with Charlie Cox. So people claimed that they were capitalizing on Charlie Cox being a really great daredevil and capitalizing on that. I guess nostalgia, it's only been a few years, but capitalizing on that. And it, then... Is it tangent, but why would you can all of that? Is it is it a money-saving thing? I think it's people a money-saving thing, People know that they've yeah. done a good job, so they know they can ask for more. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would you do that? You have a great format, a great yeah. show. Why would you be like... Let's, let's just try and do it all again with completely different people. Yeah, so one of the reasons why Netflix shows at the moment, they are marketing, or Netflix or Prime and all of these shows are bringing back original shows is because when you sign on, you have certain TV rights for X amount of seasons. So they're bringing, when, when you get season four, it incrementally increases like the amount mm-hmm. you have to pay people. So they decided instead of, like doing it we'll remarket the show as something completely new and then we can avoid paying people we can start from step one again and basically charge people a certain amount yeah. obviously your high paid actors are always going to be paid however much they're paid but yeah so for, for Dead or Born they basically they started again and obviously the, the writer's strike happened so everything got shut down but now they kind of had time to rethink and everyone obviously got really annoyed and everyone was like this is not what we signed up Just for corporate greed yeah so they've managed to like bring back a lot of the original cast. Originally, like his two main sidekicks, like two of his main motivators in the entire show weren't going to be in it in Foggy Nelson and uh, Karen. So it's just a bit weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm really glad as a fan of that show that it's coming back in a way that's appeasing fans. I think a lot more. They brought back the original stunt creators. They brought back the original director as well. Mm-hmm. He worked on Loki season two, which by all 
recent Marvel, apparently lots of people have enjoyed. Mm. And there's a few other properties in there as well that give me a lot of hope as a fan. But I don't know. Did you guys watch this show at all, Will? Did you? I watched probably two or three episodes yeah, of the original yeah. Daredevil. I'm going to disappoint you very heavily. No, no, that's It didn't fine. grab me. Yeah, no. Um, I, like, I really like the idea. I think one of the problems with superhero stuff from me is that the way that stakes work out in these yeah. movies is a bit hard to grasp for me sometimes and i think having it be a bit smaller makes it so much bigger right yeah so i think that is an excellent idea i like the idea of daredevil in general i think it's just a cool guy i like his little horns yeah (laughs) his little little costume Um, i recently learned that he is a devout catholic which i think rules yeah i think that is a cool way to explore stuff i i didn't know that he's conflicted yeah. Oh well, he's yeah, a devil. Yeah. He hits people. And he doesn't yeah. like it. He's yeah. kind of like he's conflicted within the show where he's he's sees himself as like the sort of like the right hand of like the justice, and he's, he's like an extension. He's religious Batman. Yeah, is, is the way to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. I think that's a something that I don't think is capitalized very much on yeah. is inner conflict in superheroes i think it is very much like someone has a, a sad time and a bad time and then yeah. they get over it and then they're righteous and victorious yeah i think that there's a bit more nuance to things that can be there i'm a vigilante is what i'm doing right maybe i should find myself something yeah. there he's also yeah. a lawyer by day yeah uh, at least early on <laughs> he loses his job no, he just he, kind of he goes he's from... busy beating people up and being beaten up so he can't Continue handling cases. He can't Um, lawyer all the time. But is like you say, if you're looking for a show where it depicts a much more realistic internal conflict of somebody trying to serve as a vigilante, it is the the superhero show for you. And I know you've said you absolutely loved it, and obviously I've given. I I really enjoyed season. Like I think I watched season one and then gave up Mm. with season two. But then on your sort of talking about it, I went back to it. But I went back and just watched season three because yeah. I'd had a few people say season two. Yeah. And like you say, the first half of it is still good. But it put me then on to one of my all-time favorite shows, which is The Punisher. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which is just incredible, which Will, you'd probably hate. I was going to say, it's heavily centered around yeah. the fighty fight. <laughs> yeah. But it's an incredible show. Yeah. As you say that, it's just re- reminded me, the director for Punisher is mm. this director, the oh, one that's fantastic. coming back okay. for it. So it should have a very similar feel to yeah. that show as well. I hope what they don't do, though, is bring the Punisher into it at all. Like, I think Daredevil, as a show, did yeah. best when it was just Daredevil. Yeah. When they brought in Punisher, lost me a bit. When they, like you said, brought in the Defenders and things, lost me a bit. It, yeah. it just, it, it should just be centered Just a standalone him. single story. That's the Punisher. Cool. So I think that concludes our news segment. So if you've not checked out anything that we've been watching today, I think Band of Brothers definitely, by Mark's instruction, is going to be a really great show. Mean Girls as well. We're probably, a few of us are going to go and check that out in cinemas. So let us know what you think. And and Daredevil, to me, if you want to go back and watch season one to three, it's a really great, mostly at certain <laughs> points fairly grounded entry into the superhero world it's like world. an awesome six out of ten yeah no no it's a it's more than that to me but yeah let us know what you think about those things and we're going to move on to our ed- interview segment and we've got an absolutely phenomenal you said absolutely guest, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal guest coming up so stay tuned 
So this is our segment of the show where every week we bring on a new guest to talk about a movie or TV property that is really important to them. And this episode, we've got a very special guest. We've got one of my good friends, James Hugman, joining us on the pod. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. No worries. It's be honored. <laughs> Today we're talking about Enter the Dragon. It's a Bruce Lee film. It was actually his last film before he tragically passed away. James, you want to do like a little breakdown of the plot for us? Yeah, sure. So I think to probably preface this whole conversation, it's kind of a tale of two watchings of the same movie. So I got first introduced to this film when I was like far too young, really. (laughs) Dad, what's opium for? I I think my dad showed me this film when I was like maybe five or six so I think my initial watchings of it and there was many of them had that very like childlike eye mm-hmm. and then when you approached me and said oh like what movies and like media mean a lot to you I was like yeah brilliant Enter the Dragon I watched that film like 50 times when I was a kid Yeah, and then coming back to it a second time as an adult I was like Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, because I saw it, and when I put it on, the first thing that flashed up was, this is an 18, and this has many references to, obviously, like, sex trade, drugs, opium, as obviously we mentioned, and that kind of thing. Like, it's intense for, obviously, to watch when you were so young. Yeah, that all went straight over my head, basically, (laughs) as a child. It was... Be worrying if it didn't. If you were just like, Dad... I want to try opium so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It looks so much fun. No, it was like jacked Asian man kills people on screen Mm. and makes funny noises, which, you know, as a child, unbelievable. Like great entertainment value. Anyway, so the kind of plot and preface of it, Bruce, however, we don't actually get told his name. He's just Mr. Lee. Lee, Yeah, Yeah, he's Mr. Lee throughout the whole thing. Is a Shaolin monk uh, who gets approached by British intelligence, a guy called Braithwaite in order to infiltrate this crime syndicate of uh, Mr. Han, who lives on this island, lives very decadently like a king. And the British intelligence agencies have kind of suspicions of his activities and what he's up to. And they need Bruce or Mr. Lee to go in there and kind of gather evidence for them. Mm. And kind of adventure ensues off that point. Something I didn't realize when I was first watching it is there's kind of almost three main characters, Mm -hmm. you know. I almost thought as a kid, like, this is a Bruce Lee film. It's about Bruce. It's not, really. You're kind of introduced to these two other protagonists, Mr. Roper and Mr. Williams who kind of have their own reasons for being on the island, which we kind of get introduced to through flashback. And, you know, this Kung Fu tournament starts and it's about kind of really Bruce and the other characters figuring out what's going on on the island, filled in with a lot of badass action sequences (laughs) and lots of people being killed in quite funny ways yeah it's very it's very it will struck me i've never seen many kung fu films apart from obviously other films that we've we've discussed but this one really stood out to me like the action is really great some of the fight scenes are choreographed like really well and it's really really well shot for a film that's from 1973 i was astounded by like the quality of the film overall yeah so this was something that when i was researching coming into it it's been like edited and updated like multiple Mm. times and I mean, it's in like full 4K now, I think. Yeah. And so, I did not watch it like that. No, it's all the grainy ass, like 1970s so, yeah. version. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, it still looked great. Honestly, if anything, I feel like it added to the appeal a little mm. bit. Watching an overdubbed Kung Fu movie that looked kind of grainy, I was immediately like, 
this is the sort of feeling I wanted from this. Mm. But no, going back to like the the three characters, I was not expecting. I mean, this sort of his character Lee is not. He's kind of a pensive, quiet guy. Mm. I was not ready for just some other character to have way more lines than he did. I, I think I liked it. I did. I almost wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think when you look at it in the context of at the time, like he was coming in from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. where he'd had like some success in Hong Kong cinema. He'd like been in the U.S. doing like some minor roles. And it was Warner Brothers' first production of like picking it up. So it was, I forget the name of Hong Kong studio that like produced his movies over there, but this was his breakthrough and entrance into mm. the US. And I think they wanted broad appeal. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, we got the black character, we got yeah, the white do, character, yeah. we got the Asian character. Let's make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> they, they definitely like, that was pretty transparent. Yeah. <laughs> also still very unfortunate that William's backstory is just him beating up cops and stealing a car. I'm just oh, like, we are back in the 70s. Yeah. yeah, there's a few, there's like a few racial terms in there as well, which I had to Google. I was like, oh my God, did he just say that? <laughs> but yeah, we're bringing, bringing it back to obviously to you and your connection to the movie. You mentioned that you rewatched it like 50 times. What had you coming back to it so much? Was it something that you and your dad watched together a lot? Yeah, so I think initially at the start, we kind of watched it together Mm. and you know my parents got divorced when I was like relatively young like I know Crimea River very unique (laughs) experience (laughs) and you know I think it was partly that my son's coming over this Mm. is something that I really enjoy we're going to watch this together and I I remember it was on like VHS and it was recorded like it Mm. was on TV and he had recorded it Mm -hmm. so I found it really funny at parts of the movies when I was watching it again I was like Oh, there's an ad break right here. (laughs) (laughs) Where they got the movie shorter. Why didn't they add the very important detergent part? It's integral to the story. That's the Foster's advert. I thought it was so funny. (laughs) But I think then after that, being a kid and seeing that kind of action and kind of intensity, Mm -hmm. you can't not be drawn to that as a child, I think, and especially as a young man. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I would go there, sit down after school, stick the VHS in and I would watch the same like 15 20 second sequence mm. on repeat which which but, one was that was there oh there were so many the one the, the one that I always found really funny I don't know if you remember this bit when Roper uh, kicks Bolo in the nuts so hard that he kills him <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. how could I forget that was, yeah. the, the he, like, flips over right. as well yeah you want to see a guy get kicked so hard in the nuts that they die that's <laughs> premium cinema <laughs> Honestly. So that bit in particular, in fact, it was all the nut kicking scenes when he's yeah. fighting O'Hara <laughs> and, he, and he comes and runs and jumps over the top of him and he kind of gets down and sticks his leg up as he comes through yeah. mm-hmm. again, kicking him square in the nut. This is what I mean when I'm talking about like I was far too young to really kind of appreciate it. Oh, uh, I think you're. I think the younger you get, the more you appreciate that aspect. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> no, completely, like from that side of things. You don't wince as much when you're younger watching it, I guess. And, and it just kind of became not necessarily like a big part of my life, but something that has a lot of memory kind of attached mm. to it from there. Yeah. And, and the cool fight scenes and all of it. And I think kind of my dad's idolization of Bruce Lee as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Is he your big Bruce Lee influence? And, and Well, yeah, he was. And then, you know, all the other movies that he did as well mm. was something that we kind of shared. You know, I picked this one because I think it's the most entry point yeah. into what he did and certainly for like most people that this if, the, if there's one Bruce Lee film that you might have watched it'll probably be this one yeah. yeah were you watching it wanting to be Bruce Lee as a kid 100% yeah. 
Like me and my stepbrother would have pretty intense battles. <laughs> okay. Well, they felt that sound way. effects yeah. and all. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, obviously, okay. <laughs> obvious. <laughs> like you know, not going to not include the sound effects. Yeah, it's kind of important. You're not fighting if you're not shouting. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think from there, in the same kind of like VHS bit, on the second half of it, like immediately after they showed the movie, it rolled straight into a documentary about him. Oh, cool. So That's the kind cool. of other side of it, and more about the man as well. So we would watch the first bit and then roll straight into the little bit afterwards as well. So it was like a three and a half, four hour experience, especially when you pause it and rewind every time someone gets kicked in the nuts. Like <laughs> I, I, we, we have to revisit this because all I pitch now is you and your brother just standing for an hour kicking each other <laughs> in the nuts. <laughs> when you're that age, they're not down yet. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really powerful when you have memories like that, and obviously you shared it with so many members of your family that you've mentioned there, and yeah, reenacting it as well. This is a real sort of glimpse for me because I'd never, I'd never known this side of you about it, and like that you had this connection to it. And obviously, you mentioned that you would watch it with your dad. Have you ever watched it back in like very recent history with with your dad? No, not at all. No. Not at all. I mean, funnily enough, so my my stepbrother now has got two kids. And uh, I went round there not long ago and met, I've obviously met them before, but mm -hmm. like it had been a while and his kid had grown up a little bit. Mm. And um, I saw him doing like some kind of Kung Fu-y looking moves. And I said to my dad, I was like, oh, what's that all about? And he was like, yeah, I showed him Enter the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You saw me and you were like, that was a good move. Yeah, yeah. And then my stepmom was furious <laughs> because you've now got like a, even younger than me, like three, four year old, like running around going, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it'll be interesting again, but I think a lot of the kind of like second watching of it, there was some bits in there that maybe didn't, didn't necessarily age particularly well. I think probably for like a 2023 audience and some kind of like real tropiness mm -hmm. that you don't get as a child, obviously, because you don't have that sort of maturity and lenses over your vision at that point. Mm -hmm. We can talk about some of those if you want. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. Very organized. I like it. Well, I mean, I, I did some research and coming on for here anyway. And like the main theme that came up over and over again was the plot is really kind of a bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys felt that as well. When uh, Bruce Lee had a snake, I kind of tuned into it. I was like, oh yeah, all right, cool. That was one of the best moments. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think it's my favorite part of the movie. Because he's so bored with this snake in his hand. Yeah. Just before he puts it into the box, he like, he, yeah, yeah, just completely uninterested, just smacks the snake on the back of the head and like rolls his eyes as everybody like runs away from it. Like yeah. that's, that's premium as well. Yeah. I agree with you completely on the 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 story and everything being very jumpy it's it's got like a bit of backstory but very little it just jumps straight into it but i really enjoyed it this is is, is not to his detriment and when is it williams yeah williams, dies yeah. i did not see that coming mm. but really enjoyed how straight they went to it it was just and, and, and ultimately it is bruce lee's fault that he mm. gets killed mm. which yeah. when you look at it like that you're like oh god okay not so great. But, but considering yeah. they don't say a word to each other either throughout the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> like basically nothing. It's it's yeah, it jumps around a lot, but I, I really enjoyed it for, for it, it's it kind is. of almost like that 
it's almost like a plot to a James Bond film. Yeah. If you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, baddies bad for bad reasons mm. and are uh, good characters. Here to stop them. Yeah, here to stop them. Not necessarily good. But. <laughs> no, not necessarily. But a lot of things that came up when I was looking online, it was like, yeah, he's the Asian James Bond. Mm. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's a, good, like, yeah. it's a pretty good description. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, when I was Googling as well, because I did like a little bit of background research, obviously, where I hadn't seen this before and was looking at like trivia. And apparently it did pave the way for a lot of inspiration of future James Bond films not because surprised. they just took a lot from that. Going back to the character Williams, appreciate <laughs> that he had my favorite line in the entire film of, oh, fuck you, hand man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Mr. Handman. You're straight out of a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Some unreal lines in there. My my favourite one. When I was watching it again, I like laughed out loud because of how yeah. absurd it was. Yeah. Where he's talking about defeat and he goes, When it comes, I won't even recognise it. <laughs> I'll be too busy looking good. <laughs> he was, he was so, so stereotypical good. and I love it. Honestly, <laughs> it is very 1970s-esque yeah. of that that yeah. level of it. Going as well, like talking about how jumpy the plot is. It escalated very quickly at certain moments. I think the scene that stands out is obviously when uh, his sister gets attacked by those people yeah all of a sudden they're like it goes from like oh it's an interaction to obviously how dark it gets yes. in that moment it's like a three minute sequence as well of yeah. just fight 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 oh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to also throw a little stat like shout out to probably there's this film has like drug dealers it has some really despicable henchmen all of this i'm going out on a limb i think the worst person in this film is the old lady who just sees all the trouble going on and <laughs> closes, just the the just closes the window. The real dog move just to <laughs> literally shut a window on like what's going on. She like like jumps up at the window to be like help. Real Grandpa Joe energy, I reckon. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is up there with yeah. like the worst the worst levels of it. And also the guy, the other guy who I thought was a shout out for just like a pretty bad geezer in it is the guy who leads to a sequence which I really love of Bruce Lee just outwitting him being like oh I like to fight without fighting he just the guy from New Zealand yeah the guy yeah. from New Zealand he just fucking yeets that guy yeah. with the oranges he just fucking for no yeah. reason just kicks him and I was like oh okay and then kicks him to the floor it's so a very yeah, just, quick way of setting up like this is a bad guy yeah. so mm -hmm. it's okay if bad things happen to yeah. him well, it's kind of a weird pacing as well because he gets his comeuppance like maybe literally 15 seconds later yeah <laughs> like, it's good kicks over the oranges immediately gets duped and getting mm -hmm. onto a boat and being cast away i fully <laughs> expected to never see him again yeah. Yeah. i thought they were just gonna drown him <laughs> i thought yeah i thought that the boat would fully capsize yeah. and he was just gonna be like taken taken from it but yeah obviously you rewatched this film for the for the podcast in general did it invoke any sort of other feelings like nowadays did you appreciate it more or less or? I, I think i appreciated the just the absurdity of the whole thing yeah a lot more now and it can be kind of relatively serious at times but other times like the over the topness of all of the action it made me laugh like it was quite <laughs> yeah. funny in places yeah. and the comic relief of kind of williams at times and of mr roper as well mm. in contrast with kind of how serious and austere like mm -hmm. mr lee is mm it felt a bit tonally different to how I remember it. Mm. And it's, you know, the action's still great, but at the same time, I found myself laughing a lot more this mm. time than I did when I was you a kid, you definitely. Didn't, when you're a kid, you don't exactly see a woman blowing a dart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote that down as like, great scene. <laughs> I loved it so much. No, no, I think that's what makes it right, is the cuts between him doing genuine 
amazing martial arts mm. and we we talk a lot about the live action of different films and martial arts and how you put that in on screen and part of what makes it so good is he obviously knows what he's doing yeah. so it's but then cut with every now and again just really poor in contrast choreographing for for the movie set like there's a scene where mr han has his knife hand and bruce lee just kind of star jumps sideways in yeah. front of him <laughs> so that he can get a shot across his stomach and he can bleed yeah. and, and so he can the... then lick it and look really cool exactly. <laughs> and and equally the the kicking nut scene it's just like you have all this amazing proper choreograph fighting and then it's just every now and again it's just cheeky nut shot and then they carry on and there's so much of that where it's really amazing to to cut to something that looking back like you say yeah, almost is a bit ridiculous in, yeah. but in a it, it's really good it's like if kung fu hustle was not trying to be funny <laughs> yeah I, I really enjoyed that about it i couldn't i couldn't separate in the film what like was supposed to be genuinely funny and moments where it was supposed to be action because it's like a fine line that they use sometimes where obviously the humor is like interlaid with with obviously the film in in as a whole i think it's that kind of like trying to make it appeal a little bit more because mm. i think there wasn't many kind of kung fu films or fighting movies that kind of predate this or not done to the same kind of standard a lot of people still say oh this is like a b movie mm. but you know it was kind of testing the waters i think with mm -hmm. what maybe the western audiences would appreciate and would want out of a film like that mm. and i think in the later installments in the kind of kung fu craze of the 70s like it got even more ridiculous quite a lot of the time mm. so to have that kind of balance between the kind of realism and choreography it was still kind of uncharted but mm. people loved it yeah. like they went crazy for it back at the time yeah in in your research for like the the pod and obviously rewatching it have you spoken to anyone outside of the pod about this film in general and kind of like what was their reaction if you have i watched it with amy and she hated it <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my girlfriend just thought it was really stupid and ridiculous yeah. but i was like that's you, what makes it though yeah, yeah you no appreciation for the arts so. <laughs> it's pure <laughs> cinema <laughs> And I think it's almost, you know, that meme of Lord of the Rings where you're like, they're, you're watching it with somebody and it's the scene where he kicks the helmet and the guy turns to him and he's like, did you know in <laughs> this scene? It was kind of like that, watching it with her. Yeah. And, you know, before any of the like good line deliveries that I remembered, I'll be like, listen to this. <laughs> so in short, you ruined the viewing experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But apart from her, no, yeah. not really. I mean, I'm surprised when you say you don't remember it because, like, we we've known each other for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Like, was... I'm surprised that I never watched it with you at my house. Yeah, like, I I think probably because parents were very big on age ratings. I think like I wasn't exposed to quite as much stuff back then. I was. It took a long time. Obviously, the meme of in our friend group is that I didn't get Modern Warfare and I never got to play Modern Warfare Two. But it, I think it extended to that as well. So I think probably if if we'd have mentioned oh we're going to watch this movie then we probably wouldn't have been able to I definitely do remember moments of us play fighting and, and that sort of like style of it but yeah I never remember sitting down and actually like watching the film itself so it would have been interesting to see what kind of reaction I would have had to it back then probably would have thought it was really fucking cool <laughs> probably it would have changed my life I reckon I wouldn't be the person I am now if I'd have seen it I would have gone on a different trajectory I'm be a lot more nunchucks in your yeah. life a lot more nut shots as well yeah. I reckon no, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want people that have never watched this film before to think that it is very caricature and, and comical. Because mm -hmm. I think, especially, I remember this as a kid, like in the documentary, like afterwards, like he was a fighter before he was a 
like movie star mm -hmm. you know he grew up on the streets of hong kong was in a gang in the like 60s and learned to fight and developed his fighting style first mm. before having to come to america yeah he taught martial arts for years while trying to work before then obviously getting kind of famous and being into it from there yeah and i think we can kind of maybe touch on that depiction of him in once upon a time in hollywood maybe if you guys yeah, have seen of course. that like, yeah, i've seen that quentin tarantino hates this man yeah <laughs> not like him at all. he's like oh my hands are like licensed weapons things. yeah and I, and I think he he had a reputation bruce this is for kind of being quite difficult to work with because mm -hmm. i think because he was obviously trained and was a fighter first he wanted to make like realistic looking fight sequences and movies i think he succeeded yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. definitely he he was known for, they called it tagging i think where like st stuntmen hated him because you're gonna get punched or like yeah. kicked actually working with them because mm. he's not officially but semi-credited with sort of the the birth of mma as well a lot of it tends to be apparently reading up on this before tends to be largely nodded in his direction for mm. sort of not commercializing but hints of it in the movie where the odd nut shot in between yeah the odd nut shot in between but where How many, where's, where's our nut shot count at yeah. <laughs> i got six <laughs> no <I'm joking. laughs> but it talks about his kind of fighting style a little bit in the movie mm. and you can see that he's kind of trying to input that into the film as well his own kind of philosophy i think behind fighting mm -hmm. and fighting without any style and kind of trying to break down these kind of rigid barriers that they had between different fighting styles mm -hmm. like you say I, I think that's where it comes from in the terms of mma it's not if you ever watch mma now like grappling and, and that not mm -hmm. at all but the kind of fluidity and being able to change between different things and not being so set and structured and rigid would you say it's like water. Oh my God. <laughs> it had to come up. Oh yeah. Yeah, the most famous quote. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it comes across, obviously you mentioned that he's like trained as a fighter first. And I, when I was watching it, the first thing that flashed up for me was like, oh, fights and all of this are choreographed by him. So it's, it's really impressive. And I think what made this such an enjoyable watch for me was the fight scenes a lot of yeah. it like it's it's really impressive i have to say like i was so it was so satisfying watching him mince through guards just like <laughs> guards they did they take the very batman arkham style of going one at a time at him yeah. most of the time running and with one goes, arm pulled back yeah <laughs> he's just like he's like punch one punch another stick he gets the stick out at the end and he's like just bashing like three of them at once <laughs> Oh, there, there's that one poor guy as well that gets the treatment with the two sticks I don't know if you noticed that like everyone else goes down in one shot he gets like 10 this poor guard just gets completely wrecked there's the scene just before the two stick reminded me always I've seen the film for the first time yesterday of the Jason Statham scene in Mechanic where he's doing almost the exact same fight with a the fire hose is it he's got in there before that he has either it's a really long bamboo pole or like a, a metal scaffolding pole but he uses it in like the same way whipping around and, and hitting people I suppose that's just me drawing parallels between you can see the influence on all of the kind of fighting and martial arts movies that came after it you know like you say any Jason Statham film it's that, that one man army sort of trope isn't it that kind of really starts or like started around this time with these sorts of movies. I think you're you're going to go back and talk about the sort of tropiness of it. I don't know if you can even call it that. If it wasn't, I don't know how well established Before these tropes, tropes yeah. were until well, there's I mean, a chance maybe they were or they weren't as well established in well Western audience. Yeah, I mean, 
just take the very first bit like he's a Shaolin monk yeah do you know what I mean it's kind of hard to branch off into a different a sort of more original flavor yeah, when you start there you know, like how do you make a guy seem like mysterious you know he's a Shaolin monk obviously mm. <laughs> clearly I'm pretty sure Williams is like training Black Panthers I don't know if I've read too much into that mm. in his like fight yeah. but around that time everybody in that martial arts center is black Mm -hmm. that's what I assumed I don't yeah. know if that is like accurate or not mm. I would have liked it if they explicitly said it I think that would be way cooler than yeah. just having it nope he just only really associates with black martial artists <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that would have been way cooler yeah, yeah. And, and I mean the kind of again when they come around the scene where it's all the women he picks like five <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roper picks the white woman yeah. of course not not a great they didn't need to include that scene at all I do think it was important to get their one agent yeah of course I'd also I don't know if Mr. Lee knew that the, the person with the again incredible lung capacity to move a dart with her just breath <laughs> if he just saw that and was like Shit, that's her for sure he saw a photo yeah. oh did he yeah he did he yeah. 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 but i had the same i was like how did he even and then i was like, oh he did get shown a photo okay yeah. that makes Which, a lot more sense i don't remember looking anything like her like, but well, this is the thing. It, depending on which cut of the movie you watch, the theatrical cut on the initial release, I think it was only an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. They cut a fair amount out of it initially because that's what Warner Brothers wanted. But I think you you miss out on a lot of him trying to input his own philosophy into it in the start. The start of the movie in the theatrical cut is really short. Mm. They're straight away on the boat, basically, and you miss out on a lot of that first bit, mm. which is a shame. It's largely not a, a, a film about its story that much, is it? Like, it's the focal point is the choreographing, the yeah, fighting. Yeah, and, yeah and the, the story is there to get you between fight scenes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's quite clunky. It <laughs> can be quite Like, clunky. him breaking in the first time and beating up many guards and none of them have any recollection of his face the next morning. <laughs> not, not one of them. Not when you get punched that hard. It could have been anyone. <laughs> and, and then he climbs up and runs away quickly and then does the exact same thing. Through the same place the next day. <laughs> like the security on this island, the Mr. Han's right to be annoyed. No, this is because... before CCTV, like they had snakes. The next night they know they have a gap in their security and they're just like, ah, we'll just leave it. No, no, no. Don't even right. post a guy there. No one's gonna do the same they did, thing again. Mark, they did post one guy a snake. Who ends up on Bruce Lee's side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's a turned agent. <laughs> I got a lot of parallels, like the actual martial arts tournament. I really enjoyed like that aspect of it and having them like two people just sort of face off and in like front of a big crowd i got like a lot of i don't know what type what year mortal kombat came out like the first game. definitely uh 90s oh, okay so it's like a lot further on a lot a lot yeah. further on but i got that vibe from it of like the two people just like in a in a line fighting in a two yeah plan. i really enjoyed that like aspect well, of it and if, having if i could refer you to the wikipedia <laughs> on this movie yeah like, so many of fighting games of the 90s claim to have taken like direct inspiration for this yeah. so like Mortal Kombat Tekken Street Fighter yeah all very much kind of inspired from this yeah. if you can believe the Wikipedia article <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's incredible like how far reaching this film has gone in terms of like yeah the the inspiration we talked about a, a wide range of like different films we've got Jason Statham coming up and Mortal Kombat yeah um, I mean I, I think the other thing that cannot be overlooked as to why I fell in love with this movie so much when I was a child hmm. You do see some ass and tits. Like, <laughs> I think I missed that one. Did you miss that? You missed, I missed that. that scene. I'm pretty sure. 
It's yeah. It's when it's uh, when Williams picks five people. Yep, yeah, that was laid yeah. around his his room naked. Yeah. No, I didn't get that. You know, it's a woman who plays Tanya, Anna Capri. I love how you've got that just like locked to, to <laughs> ready. Is Tanya, the the woman who's the, leading the, the, the hostess. Yeah. yeah, the hostess. Yeah, she's keeping it tight. You know, like <laughs> we like unreal. That. No, we my like that. my version did not have any of that. Oh no. my god, it's very tastefully done. I yeah. would say. <laughs> back the on PG it edit. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short movie. <laughs> Why all all he's selling is the sugar, like the syrup? I don't get why everyone cares about. He's just boiling syrup, and people really want it. <laughs> Sweet, just picturing Homer. No, my sugar. Yeah, and it is like again when you're that age, it was very kind of taboo, and mm-hmm. you know, just a little bit on the side, like yeah, yeah. definitely five-year-old you was like i'm having some complicated feelings with this yeah. film <laughs> there's me watching cartoon made marion and yeah. like, oh, what's this and there's you like well i know what i like yeah. <laughs> i think one just kind of interesting point that i mm. kind of found and i don't know it is kind of clear when you're then watching the movie the guy who plays mr han mm. he doesn't speak a word of english he had mm-hmm. to literally just learn the lines for like his character That's... and like talk them out yeah. and then it was a nightmare to do because in between scenes and things like that he couldn't take any direction like mm. from the director like he's like i've learned what i've got to say and i'm gonna say i'm it. just gonna say yeah, it as... and that's it i'm gonna say it i kind of love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice in in the midst of a lot of the dubbing in that film i didn't notice <laughs> that he only yeah only knew his lines i couldn't tell i, yeah, I only really caught well. one really egregious dub which was the Shaolin master at the very start with the thick American accent yes. was like the most egregious of all mm-hmm. of them, I think. Yeah. It, it, they weren't so over the top, but you definitely could notice so many of them subtly. But it was just like, it took me a little while to realize at first I thought the whole film was dubbed. Mm. And I was, oh wait, no, he is speaking English. Mm. It's just dubbed over again in English. <laughs> and his, the audio is clearly not the original, but okay, they are speaking English. I thought that was quite funny and I mean in terms of like the kind of reach of it as well I think for its budget is one of the most like successfully profitable movies of all Mm, time like they made this film for $850,000 in 1973 and I think with all the re-releases and everything like that by the year 2001 it had grossed like 400 million or something stupid Which is just crazy. Yeah. Like 400 is, to one, insane. like, turnaround profit on yeah. the movies. It's like, it obviously resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. And I, think, a, I think it, it, yeah, it stands out in terms of, like, obviously you can make it. It's, it's, it's not overly done with special effects. It's all practical. It's all beautifully done, but they're not, like, outrageously different locations and all of this. I think it shows there's a real clamoring for things like that. I haven't seen many films recently that kind of invoke that same level of. Uh, that same sort of spiritual thing of, of, and I'm sure those films exist, and I'm sure I'm just naive to them. James doesn't um, watch movies. No, yeah, yeah. Well, does for, for a guy with more. a movie podcast, <laughs> the time, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> sure, you've seen this, movies. We established this off, off air that apparently I just don't watch any movies, so I, I'm getting all of my movie information. I'm like, oh my god, James, these films are great. James just started this podcast because he wanted to movie yeah, racks. More movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say for the sort of you're talking about profitability of it and mm. 
I guess the iconicness of it. To me, I'd liken it to spaghetti westerns yeah. in yeah. terms yeah. of it's yeah. just one of those things that, like you said, I associate in the same way you do with your dad, spaghetti westerns with my dad because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, these are these are incredible. I remember watching them and both enjoying parts of it and parts of it being like, because spaghetti westerns are a bit slower Incredibly and being like, well, I'm bored, but still enjoying it for, for what it was. Well, how old's your dad? If you don't mind me asking. Mm, 64. Yeah. yeah. It's that generation as well because like Fistful of Dollars and stuff like that with my yeah. dad, all the Dirty Harry films again. Yeah. Not things I should have been watching when I was five. <laughs> and I'll come back and talk about Dirty Harry if you want. Oh, Another yeah, great movie. <laughs> We'd love to have you on again. <laughs> I would like to give a very quick shout out to the score of this film as well. Yeah. That kind of... I don't know how to describe it. Jazzy sort Feels of very like 70s. Guitar-y. Yeah, 70s mixed with that kind of like Asian influence. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought I, it was amazing. You mentioned like before you came on, you were, you had this vision of how we were going to introduce you as a guest and like playing the, the Bruce Lee theme as <laughs> I you assume are. you're going to edit that in. Oh, like. of course. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> if, I, if I can get the copyright, we will. We will definitely do that. But when I watched it, I straight away thought of that and I was like, damn. This is like, it's great. Like, it's such a great score. Banging soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of it is, yeah, it's, it's really, it really fits, obviously, the tone of, of the film. But it's, as you said, it's broad reaching and it's, yeah, it just struck a chord with me. Yeah, well, the album really went gold. <laughs> like, it sold oh, really? 500,000 copies. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. cool. Just like the movie soundtrack, which is yeah. pretty crazy in itself. Damn. All the money they made was just on the album. <laughs> yeah. And then Bruce died, so it didn't even get paid. Oh, I, no, I have no idea. It's actually just a live action adaptation of the album. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to give sort of a closing remark about why people should watch this film and why, in terms of, yeah, why they should watch it, what do you think? I don't know. I, I suppose you could kind of say it's iconic than it has made a lot of other genres blossom off of it. Mm. I think I would encourage anybody that is interested to go and learn more about the man as well behind it because he is a very interesting guy. Yeah. It struck a chord with me as a child and I think even as an adult I can still see that there is some value in it and it's a good enough movie to like still have some sort of cultural kind of significance and then you combine that with the far reach that it's had on anything else and people getting kicked in the nuts like <laughs> check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to, again, just say thank you for coming on. Obviously, you're a really important person in my life, and I think you've put it really elegantly about why this film means so much to you. And I think we all have movies like that that, from our childhood that, yeah, really resonate with us. So, again, yeah, just thank you for coming on, and I'm sure our listeners will love it as well. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Or they'll be like your girlfriend and they'll just hate it. Yeah. Um, we're going to move to our final segment. Let us know what you think of Enter the Dragon. Drop us a message on Instagram. We're at We're Not Movie Critics. Hope you enjoyed. I love you. <laughs> final segment of the show. We're just going to talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, anything really that's on our radar since the last episode of the pod. So, Mark, what's been going on? What's happening? Not a not a huge amount that I've got through recently. I think last time I spoke about sort of Christmas watches, and obviously Harry Potter is a, a combined. What, almost 20 hours yeah. and then after that i've so i've i've recently watched the ricky gervais show afterlife yeah which came out a number of years ago and like most people i was like i'm not a massive fan of <laughs> ricky gervais necessarily so i'm not in a rush to watch this but it kept coming up on my suggested and so i bludgeoned I, you enough to death that basically you were <laughs> but I, I really don't know what 
clicked in me to watch it. Yeah. But I started watching it and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's really emotional and, and quite intense, but also very funny. I don't know. It's, it's very cathartic in a way. Yeah. It was, it was a really good show. So oh. I recommend it, but like a lot of people, I think the, the whole Ricky Gervais is quite a controversial actor. And so, yeah, it took me a long time to start watching it, but I, I plowed through the whole thing in about two weeks. I think. Yeah. Would you recommend it to people? Would it yeah. be one to go and watch? Yeah, definitely. It's very specific. It's not something they'll be like, oh my God, you have to watch this. Yeah. But for the right person, I, I think it's, it's a good watch. But yeah, I don't know. It was kind of comforting in a yeah. weird way. I've heard a lot of people have kind of said, oh, I'm not a massive fan of Ricky Gervais, but I've heard that Afterlife is really emotional and really like an interesting show. And you kind of, I guess, it's for some, for me anyway, for like some people in certain roles, some actors where I'm like, oh, I'm not a massive fan. Sometimes their performance can transcend my dislike of them, where I'm like, oh, I can kind of almost switch off that it's them. And yeah. I think that's a testament to them being obviously a good actor. Because I think a lot of people say similar about, is it Adam Sandler in Uncut yeah, Gems? Yeah. Uncut Gems, yeah. That, that was sort of a, ah, oh, so many people dislike him, and then suddenly, yeah. oh, wow. I went for Owen Wilson to, to oh, come wow. through with an absolute cracker. Yeah. But... Yeah, it, it was a, a good watch. Other than that, what should we play? What uh, have you been playing? There's, I've, there's a game, a game I truly love called Disco Elysium that I've been dipping my toes back into. It's a very, very wild game. You play as a detective who has lost complete and utter control of his life and his memory. You wake up in a hotel having no idea who you are or even that you're human for a second. Go downstairs to find out you need to solve a murder in seven days. And it just gets really crazy. It yeah. is a re- it's a really cool game in that like, it is a one hundred percent RPG. Your like your skill points are basically the various aspects of your thoughts that oh, you have. Cool. So like, yeah. and they will the more points you put into them, the more they will then speak to you. Yeah. So like, if so, you put points into your authority, you'll be able to command people a little bit better. But also, yeah. you'll start seeing the world as something you own more, yeah. and it will keep talking to you like no. You go over there and you take what is yours. Yeah, and sometimes the skills talk to each other. That's really interesting. That's I like that perspective. So good. It's kind of like a fragmented mind sort of perspective. Oh, incredibly! Yeah. You you are completely capable of holding two completely rivaling ideas in your mind yeah. at one point. It's hilarious. Also, you take damage when you think about your ex-wife. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, it's it kind such of, an awesome game. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of. Um, have you ever seen the film Memento? Yeah, uh, where it's like that sort of obviously he he can't it's not the same but mm-hmm. it's like that fragmented mind where he's forgotten obviously and he's trying to solve who murdered his wife I exactly. guess it probably takes takes inspiration from I don't think it, it does no no it's completely uh, separate of that I think so I oh, think cool. I think if in Memento you had an extremely patient <laughs> l- lieutenant who's yeah. who's just there really some for some reason supporting your insane you get up you can do some really wild stuff in this game yeah you, you showed can, me a few clips yeah and it's pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> like there's one of my favorite things is in order to talk to the union boss of the people you suspect murdered this guy. Yeah. You need to get through his extremely racist ethnography tattoos bulk man. And one of the ways you can do it is like you see him and you're like, oh, I can just beat this guy up and you can just fucking deck him before <laughs> he, he says to anything. Deck him. Yeah. And honestly, you should do that. He's awful. Yeah. No, it's so good. It's extremely political. Yeah. You can you can play in so many different weird ways. I think it's really cool. If yeah. you enjoy an RPG and want to play as an old, sad French man, <laughs> this one's for you. For sure. You've been definitely. dreaming of it. Here it is. 
Okay, anything else that you're kind of watching or dipping your toe into? Uh, or? Yeah, there's a, there's a, a comic that I've read a while ago. It's not really a comic. It's yeah. called 17,776. It is set in the year 17,776. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about the future of football. It's about satellites oh talking to each God. other. Oh, my God. Which which football? Oh, American football. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's set in America. I, I think I... Have I talked about this? I might have talked about this. I feel like I've heard about this. It's really weird. In some way. I, I, thought it I was think you be, have talked about it before, actually. I thought it was intergalactic football, it, the, the anime, the TV show. And no. I was like, oh. It's like football, a massive, massive game of yeah, football over, like, yeah. over, over the world. Over the world. Yes. It's so cool and weird. I've had a weird two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Sounds it. <laughs> but it sounds like you've been enjoying yourself. And I that's have the main been. thing. It's been good. Yeah. Global football and depressed French cop. Yeah. yeah. He's only depressed, depressed if you play him depressed. You can completely... You can make him, make, make him happy. You can make him superstar cop. You can make him all sorts of stuff. He yeah. is... You can make him anything you want him to be. You can yeah. be sorry cop if you want. Oh, can he get back with his ex-wife? No, that is the one thing you explicitly cannot do. Yeah. You can call her and it makes him very sad. Can you play good cop, bad cop? You can. <laughs> you can do that a lot, actually. Nice. I think you can also play just good cop, good cop. Yeah. Kim Kutsuragi is always going to be good cop. He rules. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You play this game so you make him happy. I might check out this game, to be fair. It's, it looks quite funny. It's so good. It is extremely <laughs> funny. It's exceptionally well-written. Yeah, I highly recommend for sure. What have What have you been watching? What have you consumed? So, I've watched two two other movies this week. One of the films I've been watching is Rye Lane, just recommended to me by a friend, and it's very akin to. I don't know if you guys have seen the the series Before Sunrise or Before Sunset, Before Midnight. I actually have. I've That's watched so funny, funny you mentioned that this week. <laughs> this I watched week. all three. Me That's too. so strange. I don't know why. We had a bit of commotion. There was a rat outside. That was quite fun. <laughs> yeah, so strange that you've seen the Before series. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so really weird. crazy. I wonder why. Um, but Royal Lane is basically, it's in that similar style where it's boy meets girl and it's set in the Rye Lane markets in London. And he's, one of the guys in it is really sad about his ex-girlfriend who's left him for various reasons. And he basically goes around with this girl and they kind of do like silly shenanigans and, and it kind of leads on to it and they sort of will, they won't, they fall in love at the end of it. So it's very in that style. It's very creatively shot. It's very mm-hmm. colourful and it's very kind of interesting as well. And it ends in a very nice way in general. The other film is probably the complete polar opposite. It's probably one of the strangest films I've ever seen in my life called Poor Things. And... Yes. It's it's the new film that's out in cinemas. It's starring Emma Stone, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe. There's a couple of other actors uh, in it that have... The one that's really jarring to me, Mark Ruffalo, plays a really big role yes. in it. And I watched Infinity War literally the night before I watched it. <laughs> and it is the most jarring experience I've ever seen watching this person Hulk, who's like Disney-fied thing <laughs> into an adult movie. But basically the, the premise is, and I don't want to give too much away because I think a lot of it is seeing it and seeing Mm -hmm. what happens in the first time but the premise is a girl passes away with she has a a child but then the person basically reanimates he it's very controversial i might cut this anyway but he takes the body or he takes the brain of the baby and puts it into the adult body of the woman i did not know that was and reanimates it so it's basically her it's basically her relearning everything about the adult about the world as that guise of it 
but in a very like but in a very not so, literal way right no right. in a very in a very literal like way realistic or is it a yeah, bit... it's obviously like dramatized and there's like oh, yeah. it's it's hyper realistic where it's like oh it's kind of weird but yeah. i don't I have like to say that. it's it sounds really strange and he's not, from the watch yeah so like frankenstein yeah, yeah essentially like that he's the director's known for doing kind of eccentric things i don't know if you've ever seen the lobster Yes. Or he's the same director that did that. There's okay. another film that he did. It's like Killing of a Sacred Deer. And it's very, he's in that vein of doing kind of interesting, but very strange by some considered. But it's a very, it's one of the best performances from Emma Stone I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think she's incredible in it. Even better than her performance in Easy A. <laughs> no, yeah. Spider Man. Oh, it's even better than that. Oh, it's Your amazing. Favorite, like, yeah. film time. Both of you pilled two <laughs> very not movies that I thought you were going to. I thought you guys were going to talk about Super Bad. Oh, it could have been uh, Super Bad as well. Yeah, Super Bad and Easy A. I think this is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that happen in this. If you like kind of that out there sort of strange concepts, then it's very interesting. The performances are fantastic. Mark Ruffalo was almost one of my. I think he's on par with Stone. Just. What happens with his character is just beyond funny, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. So, You're like I say, it. I mean, I've seen like a, a lot about this, and I wasn't that into yeah. it, and now I'm a lot more intrigued. Yeah, so. like I say, extreme caveats on what you're watching. I would not recommend it for a lot of people. That mm-hmm. it's a very strange concept, and you have to suspend your disbelief quite a lot of, of what you're expecting, and kind of that enhanced dark side of it. It's very like yeah. dark humor. But it's really interesting and it has a really lovely message in general. She learns, she basically goes through the steps of learning how the world works. And you see it from a very childlike lens in that adult body. And like it's kind of people taking advantage of her. And then she slowly learns when people are taking advantage of her and all of this. And yeah, the messaging is really great. I would recommend it if you're, you can suspend your disbelief for that. But yeah. That's basically what I've been watching this week. So Two very polar opposite yeah. films, I'd say. <laughs> But for sure, that is... I think that's the show. I think we're done there. And we're done. Bye. We're out. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. We gotta, we're going to do that. We're going to do a little spiel before we go. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate us on Spotify, on any of your podcast providers. Let us know. If you've checked out any of the shows that we've been talking about, drop us a message on Instagram. We love like hearing from people about what they're, what they're doing. I want to talk to um, you guys. Yeah. I'm so lonely. And for every, for every five-star review, Will will come to your house and clean your car. I will. Or do your chores. W- one chore. One chore. One, one chore. chore per one chore per review. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, easy. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode, so stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed. I'm waving. Goodbye. Bye.